Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of the Best Life Moms Club and hosts of That Pregnancy Podcast. We are two moms with a bunch of kids under the age of three. Five to be exact. And we know firsthand how hard it is to be a mom. So we're talking about all the topics that no one ever talked to us about. And not only is it hard being a mom, but it can be lonely and isolating, which is another reason why we're here to help moms like you know that you're not alone. Now, it's important to know that we are not doctors or medical professionals in any way. So always talk to your doctor or healthcare provider with any questions or concerns about your health or the health of your baby. We are moms sharing our lived experience and talking about all things pregnancy and life as a mom. So let's have a chat. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of That Pregnancy Podcast. This week, we are talking about foods to avoid during your pregnancy. Before we jump into the episode, I want to remind you that our exclusive mommy mentorship program is open. So if you are pregnant, if you're feeling overwhelmed or intimidated by the massive amount of information and looming motherhood that's coming your way, or you would love a community of to be part of a community with other moms, then you will absolutely want to check out our Mommy Mentorship Program. It is full of amazing information, international experts, weekly live events. I can keep going on because there are so many amazing things of this program, but you really need to check it out for yourself. So head on over to mommymentorship.com and check it out there because it really is a amazing program. If I do say my say so myself a little bit of a toot toot there because it is, it is something that I wish I had. And I know Amanda, you wish you had when we were pregnant for the first time with the kids. Oh, definitely. And the thing is like the ladies that are in the group, they are um, always offering tips and advice. And um, most of the women have already have had their baby. Some of them have had their baby while they've been part of the membership. And uh, it's really nice to see other people saying, this is how I felt. So that if someone else who's still having a baby feels the same way, they can relate. And, um, you know, there's just lots of support and, encouragement going on and I, th- I think it's a really positive thing for a new mom to have yeah it is it really is an amazing program definitely worth checking out so head on over to mommymentorship.com uh, or you can send us a dm on instagram like any questions we are happy to answer any questions you have okay so enough that shameless plug at the beginning, let's get into the episode about foods to avoid during your pregnancy. Now, being that I am now comfortably and well into my third trimester with M3, I am definitely missing certain foods. I can say like, I have been craving a firehouse sub for weeks. I don't get many, I don't get many cravings, but I like I I want a sub, a firehouse sub so badly. 
I have not tried Firehouse yet and I wanted to. And then the <laughs> pandemic came and I just haven't. They're so good. So good. But like, I am absolutely craving foods that I can't have. Um, and there's a variety of reasons why it's recommended that women who are pregnant avoid certain foods or limit certain foods, um, as well as other reasons for health reasons like gestational diabetes or if you develop heartburn. Um, so there is a pretty significant list, I think, that's commonly put out and given by doctors, midwives, um, and researchers to say, like, for foods to avoid as a pregnant woman. I think that's safe to say. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Okay, so let's just kick it off of one of the most probably long-standing foods that you're not supposed to have, foods or drinks. It, let, it does fit for both. Um, there are some drinks and some foods that you're not supposed to have while pregnant. But for me, this is probably one of the easiest ones is alcohol. Like it's just, it's, it sounds common. Um, but I will say like, I was particularly shocked when we were on a vacation years ago and I was shocked at the number of pregnant women, like visibly large pregnant women who were still drinking alcohol. And it was shocking to me. Was it non-alcoholic stuff that looked like alcohol? No, like legit just bottles of beer. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, that's I can't say that I've really seen that around here. No, I I definitely was on vacation. So Yeah, yeah. different countries. But I, I I still to this day remember being shocked. But for me, obviously, like I both Peter and I are not drinker like I don't drink and Peter is um, not a big drinker so it's not a hard one for me but like there is no amount of alcohol that is considered safe in pregnancy like studies have shown that alcohol during pregnancy increases the risk of so many things like brain development increases the risk of miscarriage stillbirth preterm delivery SIDS as well as fetal alcohol syndrome which has a multitude of challenges to it as well. Um, well, and that, that greatly impacts the life of the child, fetal alcohol syndrome. Oh, right? yes. Yeah. And like, like hugely. And speaking as a teacher, is like as an educator, there are like additional challenges to fetal alcohol syndrome. Just having had students in the past, I've had not a lot. I've had um, probably... I think I've had three in my career with fetal alcohol and it's, it's, it's a challenging, challenging life for sure. Yeah. I am a casual drinker. I maybe have a couple of drinks a month, uh, more so in the summertime, like my parents have a pool. So, you know, I might have a drink by the pool or something. Um, and it's funny because when I was pregnant during the summer, I actually did miss not being able to like have a PIMS. Like I like having PIMS. Um, oh, you so fancy. <laughs> yeah. But 
I ended up getting mocktails from President's Choice, which I've mentioned before. And this is with the boys. My friend told me, you know, oh, you can get mocktails. So I got them from Zare's President's Choice brand. And they were awesome. They had like mojitos and daiquiris. Uh, I think there was four different types. And of course, when I was having Caroline, they stopped producing them. I was like, oh, it was just nice to be able to have like a drink by the pool that was a little bit fancier than like, I don't know, a Sprite or ginger ale or whatever I was drinking. Well, I was going to say like a a fancier drink something a little bit special to yeah 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 so because yeah I would drink a little bit of ginger ale sometimes because that doesn't have any caffeine in it but like I would avoid everything else so like alcohol is a massive one um and like it is very long-standing lots of studies research that backs that up this one up is no alcohol during pregnancy. And to be honest with you, like you just have to give it up for nine months. Like, you know, it's, it feels long while you're in it, but it's not that long and it's totally worth it just to make sure that your baby's safe. What, what do you have next on the list? Um, I have high mercury fish. So mercury is obviously extremely toxic and most commonly found in polluted waters. Um, and there are no known safe levels of exposure to mercury. Like any type of exposure to mercury is not a good thing. Um, there's a reason why it's called mercury poisoning. Um, (laughs) but, um, so fish that are common in high, that, Fish that are commonly, try this a third time. Known? Fish that commonly have high levels of mercury are larger fish. Um, And it's recommended that you avoid high mercury fish um, while you're pregnant as well as breastfeeding. So like the most common one is is tuna. Like that, that's like the very first one is tuna is a high is a high mercury fish. Um, shark, swordfish, marlin, orange ruffy, those are all big fish um, and they have a lot of buildup of mercury in them because they eat other fish and they're in contaminated waters. So um, high mercury fish, not safe, but it is important to say that fish is really healthy for you and Highly recommended as long as it's you're eating low mercury fish. Do you know some of the low mercury fish? Oh, do I? I have <laughs> lived on Food Network for the last 25 years of my life. Like, that's all there I There you want. go. Food, foodie Katie's got a list. <laughs> do I? I personally think that these are the better of the fishes, not just for their mercury level, but. Um, I've, ne- I've never been a fan of like tuna. Tuna's not necessarily. I've had. Shark. I, don't, I don't eat fish, so this this totally didn't pertain to me. So I'm learning stuff here. I've had shark once, and it was very 
it was not enjoyable. It was at a wedding. It was at a Chinese wedding. Um, so it was oh, shark fin. Was it shark fin soup? It was, yeah. which is highly, highly controversial, right? Just because they chop off the, the fin of the the shark and then they drown. Um, but it was like a big deal to have it. And so I did try it, but I did not enjoy it whatsoever. Um, and, uh, but like, okay, so back to safe, healthy, low mercury fish. That is absolutely a great idea to be eating on a regular basis, like two, three times a week. Like fish is a really great option. Um, so cod, freshwater trout, that's Personally, that's my favorite. I love trout, mm-hmm. um, tilapia, salmon, always good choice. And salmon is really great because uh, it's a fatty fish. And, it has, and so the fat content of the omega fatty, the omega-3 fatty acids is really good for um, brain development for, and just like healthy all around. Um, yeah. Anchovies are also an omega-3 fatty fish too. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's they're a, good for, they're also low in mercury. Yeah, they are. And haddock and flounder. So like if you're a fish and chip fan, cod and haddock are the two of the most common types of fish and chip, like fish used in fish and chips. So you're set on that. There you go. You just have to make sure it's one of the two, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so salmon, anchovies, two really high fat fishes that are um, great options for the omega-3 fatty acids. Um, but fish is a good one to be eating. It's healthy, great choice, but not high mercury. So stay away from the bigger fish. Tuna. You also need to you also need to make sure that uh, your fish is not undercooked or raw as well. Oh, this is the worst. (laughs) It brings you to your sushi Uh, that you still haven't had. (laughs) I always crave sushi when I'm pregnant. I think it's like the forbidden fruit. Like, I know I can't have it and smoked salmon. Like, all I want is smoked salmon and, and sushi. And, like, I can go months, years without having sushi or uh, smoked salmon. And then I get pregnant, I'm like, all I can think about is, is that. Uh, but no, you bring up a really good point. So, like, no sushi, obviously, because obviously, it's raw, especially raw shellfish. And smoked salmon, like smoked fishes, uh, are dangerous because... They can cause, they can carry or cause infections. So, like, it could be viral infection, bacterial infection, parasitic. Don't want a parasite. That no, definitely ter- not. That sounds terrifying. Um. So, some of the more common, just to kind of put names to these infections that you will probably recognize that can be carried through consuming or get you sick from consuming raw or um, undercooked fish. Salmonella, listeria, norovirus. Um, So some of them just get you sick. Others can be passed through the placenta and get your baby sick. Um, And probably, here's a fun fact. 
did you know that pregnant women are more susceptible to getting infected with listeria? I did not know that. Yes. But I know, I know when you're pregnant, you're more susceptible to a lot of things. So it doesn't really shock me. No, but like, this is a staggering number though. So like, according to the CDC, pregnant women are 10 times more likely to get sick with listeria. Really? Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. But also kind of surprising. Well, no, not necessarily surprising, but it's particularly scary, I think, because uh, listeria can pass through the placenta even if you are not sick. Like you as the mother are not having symptoms of listeria or you're not sick from like food poisoning, it can still be passed through to the placenta, like through the placenta to your baby. That's scary. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Super so scary. Just, so just stay away from raw fish and undercooked fish. I know. But, ah, uh, I miss smoked salmon and I miss sushi. Like, you have a few more months to go and then you can have both of them. I know. And <laughs> I wish there wasn't a, a whole pandemic where I'd say I'd come and watch the kids so Peter can take you out. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so nice. Uh, well, it's funny because I'm like, oh, try it. I've, I've been like thinking of like where the hospital is and like where food delivery, I, they'll let you um, get food delivered to the hospital once a day. Like, what could I order on like skip the dishes to satisfy all the things that I've been wanting that I can't have? <laughs> um, but that then leads us to kind of the next one of not eating raw, undercooked, or processed, processed meats. So, so that means no lunch meat. Deli meat, lunch meat. There are no, no. Unless there is one caveat to that is that you can heat up your deli meat so that it is steaming and hot. Um, and then you can eat it as a pregnant woman. With the meat, it's the same thing with the listeria, right? Well, listeria as well as, yeah. So like the same reasons as, um, as the raw fish, like the risk of infection, you just need to add in an additional infection of E. coli. Oh. Which wasn't one, isn't one that's commonly transferred with um, fish. It is much more common with meat. Still something yeah. you do not want to get. <laughs> yeah, also something that you don't want for sure. So when you're pregnant, like if you're a steak person and you like your steak blue or uh, medium rare or rare, when you're pregnant, it is recommended that you go well done and eat it fully cooked. Yeah, basically when you're pregnant, you just need to make sure everything is cooked, 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 right? Yeah. So, yeah, which kind of brings us to our next one, which is uh, raw eggs. Yes, look at right? I know this one has been a hard was a hard one for you. You were very hyper aware of the raw egg situation for you, were you not? I was, because uh, I don't eat meat, so that I didn't have to worry about. But like, I like eggs Benedict, so I couldn't have like eggs Benedict because 
number one, the egg's not cooked enough and hollandaise sauce um, is also something you're not supposed to eat. Uh, Keith and I, especially with the boys, we go out for like date night to like restaurants and we always like to eat local and a lot of the places will make their own stuff from scratch. And so I'd always have to check to see if they made the mayonnaise or if it was mayonnaise in a jar because if it's homemade mayonnaise, then it might not have been made correctly. Whereas if it's like Hellman's or another type of mayonnaise that you buy at the grocery store, it will have been uh, pasteurized. So you can actually eat the stuff on the shelf, but you can't eat homemade mayonnaise. No, so it sucks like, so for all the brunch, the brunchers out there, you like no eggs Benedict, like you said, because your poached egg not cooked enough. Uh, yeah. Your hollandaise not stable. Um, yeah, so sorry, brunchers. The raw egg is hard. It even actually includes like loose or um, lightly scrambled eggs too, where it's still runny. So like like European scrambled eggs are very different than North American scrambled eggs. Um, European scrambled eggs are, are considered like lightly scrambled. Um, so that technically by these um, guidelines that are commonly put forward don't necessarily fit because it is a lightly um, scrambled egg. Even like if you're a baker, homemade some homemade icings yeah well if it has raw egg in it right yeah so like yeah. um i'm i'm more of a like food cook person like i i cook more than i bake um but i do believe there are some recipes uh, with royal icing that have egg whites in it so that obviously wouldn't work and even like there's a huge trend of eating raw cookie dough so if you're eating cookie dough that is actually supposed to be baked into cookies, um, obviously there's egg in it. You can't eat that, but there are, it's very trendy now. There is lots of different brands of edible cookie dough that you can have where they take out the raw egg so that it is available to everyone so that they can eat it without the concern of a raw egg in the cookie dough. The other thing that's really popular now too is like small batch ice cream. Like I know where we are, there's a independent ice cream place that does small batches and some homemade ice cream has raw egg in it. And even some of the, the name brands that you can buy in the stores, if you check, it'll say egg yolk in it. Really? Yeah. Like Ben and Jerry's, some of theirs have egg yolk in it. That's crazy. I had no idea. Because I started to check when I, I read that when I was pregnant, I think with the boys. And then I love ice cream. So I started to check all the labels. And you'd be surprised at how many types of ice cream have egg yolk in it. That is shocking to me. And it's not just the kinds of ice cream, the flavors with cookie dough in it? No, no, it's not. It's actual like the ice cream base that has egg in it. It must. It, like egg is actually listed as one of the uh, ingredients. Egg yolk. Wow. Uh huh. And so, like, I just because I'm you, you don't you never know how it's been processed, so I just automatically wouldn't eat it then. Mm -hmm. Right. But I like would 
ignorant, like I would ignorantly assume that if it was in a grocery store and like a largely manufactured branded ice cream, that everything would be fine. And maybe it is, I don't know. But I just know that uh, when I found out like you should stay away from some homemade ice creams because there's eggs in it. And then I started looking at regular ice cream. I noticed that there was also egg in it. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. So you know, now if you've got ice cream in the freezer, you got to go <laughs> take a look. <laughs> I don't. So I'm fine. Well, yeah, you wouldn't. Maybe Peter does, though. Peter does not have it. He did buy himself a banana bread loaf and I was like I make banana bread he's like yeah but it doesn't have sugar in it <laughs> that's funny mm. so what do you have next caffeine so this is a tricky one because you know there's a wide range of based on like each type of drink there's a range of measurement of caffeine in every drink but generally it is recommended that a pregnant woman limits their caffeine intake to less than 200 milligrams a day. Now you can go online and look at like, try and break it down as to kind of what is equaled. Like how many drinks can you have that equals 200 milligrams? But now there's one thing that has happened recently is that there's some mixed research that have come out recently that has suggest that's presenting conflicting information on the consumption of caffeine. But it is generally recommended by doctors and researchers that pregnant women have less than 200 milligrams of uh, caffeine a day. But absolutely, like if you are concerned or have want, you know, direct clarification from your doctor, absolutely talk to your doctor about it or your midwife. Um, but caffeine is an interesting one because like, we all know that like, if we are feeling low and tired, we want like, Oh, feeling kind of draggy. I need some caffeine. I'm going to take like have a coffee or, you know, I need something to give me a boost. Um, caffeine works really fast, right? It gets absorbed really fast. And, but when you're pregnant, the caffeine actually passes through the placenta as well, which I think is very interesting. So your baby- Then you wake up the baby. <laughs> yeah, and so your baby yeah. actually has the effect as well. Um, so personally, I don't drink coffee or tea on a regular basis. So this one wasn't a hard one for me. I would have like the odd Coke uh, or soft drink that would have caffeine in it but I just kind of stayed away from it. But I know I have lots of friends who would have like their morning cup of coffee and that would be it or their morning cup of tea. And that would kind of be it. Yeah. Um, I know with Caroline, my iced tea addiction, <laughs> that was all I craved was iced tea. I ended up brewing my own so that I could avoid drinking normal iced tea, which has lots of, has caffeine and lots of sugar in it. Although, you know, the odd time I would, have store-bought iced tea so well and a good option like if you are a caffeine drinker um a good option and like like you said like the a lot of people it's the routine of like getting up in the morning having a cup of coffee or a cup of tea it it's definitely i know for me like i i have a i like to have a cup of tea in the morning at some point 
in the morning. Um, but then I have a cup of tea before I go to bed. Like it's part of my routine. Um, so there is that routine habit that a lot of people have around caffeine, but going for a, a decaffeinated option is a really great choice because you can still have that habit and that behavior without the caffeine intake. So decaf is a very great option for tea and coffee alike. And even if you like you're a, a pop or soda drinker, like there are different brands that have the caffeine free versions. I know like my mom used to always drink the caffeine free Pepsi. Ginger ale generally doesn't have caffeine in it. Um, but like even root beer, for example, some root beer doesn't have caffeine in it, but then Barks has bite, right? <laughs> Barks is caffeinated. Yeah. So you have to kind of research it a little bit if there's certain brands of soda that you like. Yeah, I think generally generally it's recommended that like that pregnant women kind of go on the side of caution and kind of limit like one caffeinate a drink a day, maybe two on occasion, um, but limiting, not, you don't necessarily have to remove it entirely from your diet, but it is generally recommended that a limit is put on the amount of caffeine that's taken in on a daily basis. Um, so yeah, like caffeine free version, decaffeinated, um, rather than going cold turkey is a good option. I know for me, like I love and it's not even like, I'm, I'm just drinking regular tea, but it's just, it's the habit. For me, it is 100% the habit. It's just routine. Yeah, and some people just like the taste of it, right? And you can get some good decaf teas and you can get decaf coffee too. So, you know, and maybe you do half and half, right? Like if you're drinking coffee and your partner also drinks coffee and has a pot on, then, you know, put a throw a little bit of regular and then have the rest decaf or something right well yeah like for coffee like I'm not a coffee drinker but I do know that like there are different levels of caffeine in different types of coffee so like a brewed coffee as opposed to espresso as opposed to like an instant coffee all three have different amounts of caffeine in within each drink so depending on what you're drinking too that's also something to look into and talk to your doctor or uh, your midwife about maybe a better option or something to kind of that you could try as an alternative. Uh, so next on my list is probably one that you struggled with pretty significantly as well. Um, unpasteurized milk, not so much unpasteurized milk, but unpasteurized cheese. That one is a big thing for you as well as I was shocked by this unpasteurized fruit juice. I didn't know that was a thing. But yes, yeah, that is a, a thing. Yeah, I didn't realize it was a thing either until I was pregnant, but it, yeah, it's a thing. The cheese, yes, that was so hard on me because I love brie. Brie is my cheese. My, brie is my go-to. Like if I want <laughs> something delicious for lunch, it's like a baguette with some brie and maybe some chutney or something on top, right? Oh my and God, that sounds so good. <laughs> oh, not eating it was like killer. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I would just like some brie. Or like we'd go someplace and they'd have brie. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's brie, right? Uh, the other thing I really like is blue cheese salad dressing. Yes. And can't have blue cheese, right? So 
Yeah, the cheese one was really hard for me. And I know that like in Canada, cheeses are pasteurized, but like our doctor still recommended not eating them, right? Because you don't know if something's imported, right? I think generally speaking, like North American cheeses are generally are more commonly pasteurized as opposed to imported cheeses. But soft, unripened cheeses like brie, camembert, feta, blue cheese, anything that's mold ripened, like anything with mold, it's kind of a red flag when you're pregnant, um, it are, like are no-goes. Because even if you look on the ingredients list and it says pasteurized milk, that means the milk that they've used is pasteurized, but the cheese itself is not. Um, so there's a difference between reading the label and seeing pasteurized milk and pasteurized cheese, um, because pasteurized cheese will be written on the label of the cheese, not the ingredients label on the cheese. Um, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah. Like I know he still said, just stay away from it. Like, yeah, because, well, the thing is because any soft cheeses are susceptible, right? Because uh, bacteria grows in moist places and moisture is in soft cheeses as opposed to like a cheddar that's hard or like a gouda that's hard. Um, there's less moisture content in those hard firm cheeses. So that's why those cheeses are seen as being okay for pregnant women because there's a lower risk of contamination because there's a lower moisture content. For soft cheeses, they're soft because they're moist and they're, and so that's where the bacteria growth can happen. Um, so yeah, just any soft, unripened cheeses, um, any moldy cheeses, a no-go. Ah, as hard as it is. I know, sigh. Cheese with baguette would be delicious. Oh my goodness. Okay, so that's it for like the foods that are health considered health risks or should be avoided for your health um of you know afraid of getting you or your baby sick by passing through the placenta um or having health complications one other thing that i when i was thinking we were kind of brainstorming and prepping for this episode about food was like other reasons why you would have to avoid different foods and this one is a little personal to me right now i'm just going to say heartburn foods. You might have to make a change to your diet based on um, whether or not you are suffering from heartburn. (laughs) So it's not necessarily like a health risk, but it's, you know, challenging your day-to-day comfort level of heartburn because... Heartburn's not fun at all. No. And personally right now, M3 is giving me major heartburn. I am actually to the point where I like I'm waking up in the middle of the night and can't sleep because of heartburn. Like it is oh, rough. That's um, too bad. Yeah. But there are some foods that are more commonly associated and drinks more. So uh, there are some foods and drinks that are more common with um, associating the cause of heartburn or increasing heartburn. Um, not such a big one for me, but um, chocolate is known to increase heartburn. Spicy foods, fatty foods, so fried foods, 
which as delicious as they are, you know, high fat foods are connected to heartburn, acidic foods, and that includes tomato and obviously citrus, but tomato as well, because tomato is very high in, um, high in acid. Carbonated drinks. I think this is where like, I'm really suffering because all I drink is bubbly water. <laughs> yeah, that's not helping. No. So like, clearly I'm doing it to myself, but like, I drink one cup of tea a day and water the rest of the day. Like, I'm just tired of just flat water. So I like bubbly water, but clearly it's not helping my heartburn whatsoever. You want to know what? What if you stopped drinking it like in the afternoon? Because I know I remember researching it because I would get really bad acid reflux with well both times, but particularly with the boys. And I remember reading that like you should kind of stop earlier in the like evening yeah eating and drinking those foods so that you you have enough time for your food to digest before Mm -hmm. you go to bed and stuff well and that's another that is a tip too for like kind of reducing or trying to limit your exposure to heartburn or like you know trying to mitigate your heartburn is to like make sure that you're not eating past seven o'clock Again, I always have a little snack before bed, but um, rule breaker. What can I say? I'm a rebel. Uh, um, but I don't know. I like bubbly water so much. Yeah. The other one too is uh, caffeine can be connected to heartburn as well. So if you are suffering from heartburn, you can either make a choice to limit or do a little test run and see if by removing certain foods from your diet, if that will help with your heartburn, or you could be a rebel like I am and just be like, is it really worth cutting it out? And or am I, or am I just going to suffer through? <laughs> Cause I think I might just end up these, although some days it is so bad. Like it makes me cough that the, like my reflux is so bad. Yeah. The heartburn. That's, is that's so not bad. fun. Yeah. So especially if it's waking you up. Yeah, it has there last week, there was a couple of nights where I woke up at like three and I was, I propped myself up. So that's another thing too, of like, we're kind of going off on tangent, but like how to mitigate um, heartburn is like, you know, different things that you can do. One of them is being elevated a bit, but so there are other reasons beyond recommendation for not getting sick that some people might have to uh, change their their diet or remove something from their diet, gestational diabetes, obviously that is something that, you know, is hugely central around food while you're pregnant. So like lots of different reasons, but uh, I think this is a pretty good list of foods that we need to avoid while we're pregnant as much as our brains then say that's what we want. Thank you for listening to this episode of That Pregnancy Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for an upcoming show, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Best Life Moms Club. Until next time.